We're trying something new this morning, a little experiment. So many of you have commented about um, the sounds of nature around us and the birds particularly. In fact, one of you even mentioned wanting to shoot one of those birds because it was loud. So we have uh, a new feature on the Gilbert back porch. Of course, this is our little man-made spring of water fountain that's in the background. And I'm sure you'll let us know if this is too distracting for future devotionals, but we're going to give it a shot this morning, okay? Nice little back backdrop for our, for our devotional. Now, this morning representing um, Voldemort, he who must not be named, was given to me by Josh Hughes, one of our pastors, probably because of my uncanny um, resemblance to the Dark Lord, who I do dress Halloween. But that has nothing to do with where we are this morning. We're in Revelation chapter 8. And there we get more and more into numbers, symbol, symbols, imagery, things that are a little confusing for us. Remember, they wouldn't have been so confusing for the original readers because they were well-versed in this sort of literature. But, but just as a reminder, remember that the word revelation comes from the word apocalypto or apocalypse. And it literally means to reveal by numbers or symbols. And that's really, really important because in our technical modern idea of, of study and research and scientific thought, we are apt to want to make each of these symbols, each of these numbers mean a specific thing, that there is a, a correspondence one-to-one -one between some detail that John mentions and then something that is um, happening in the real world. And, and it's not quite that simple. Think about, think about this more in terms of like looking at an, an abstract painting or impressionistic art. So if you look at impressionistic art, you'll, you'll generally understand like the broad themes and outlines of this, um, but it's kind of hazy, right? It's meant to give an impression. It's not a, a detailed topography or, or, or feature that you would find in other eras of painting. It's, it's more meant to make an impression and to reflect an impression that moves the senses, that moves the imagery that moves the emotion and when you look at that piece of art in a um, museum for example you're you're sort of meant to envelop your whole self into it and to and to absorb its its overall theme or meaning and so that's really the way that we want to be able to read um, revelation and this is particularly true as we come to this point um, where we are looking at the seven trumpets now let me read um, this passage for us. We're going to read verses 6 through 13. Um, pray, and then we'll jump in. Now the seven angels who, this is verse 6 of chapter 8. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch. 
and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Lord, please help us this morning. And Lord, also help us to have a posture of humility um, as we come to this book. Lord, that, that we don't want to miss the main themes, hope, encouragement, redemption, the victorious church, the risen lamb. Um, and we know these things for certain. There's other things we don't know for certain, and we want to have that posture of submission and asking that you would um, make it clear to us as we humble ourselves before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So John has just shown us the seven seals. These are the seven decrees of God that govern all of human history. Um, and as part of that, he was emphasizing the, the protection that God's people have spiritually to, to have their souls secured and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Well, now he turns to the seven trumpets. And these are really meant, I think, to provide a, a view of human history that's going to emphasize the difficult days we as humanity will have on earth this side of heaven. And this is a great reminder for us to um, to know what we should expect and not expect um, from this life. And remember, trumpets um, could kind of function in a twofold way. So for God's people, the idea of trumpets would be um, a reassurance that God is there, that he has proclaimed, that he is moving. It's, call, it's a call to alertness. It's a call to action. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sign and a symbol that God is on the move, that He's mobilizing His forces. But on the, at the same time, this these trumpets would be a warning, all right, to the enemies of God, to those who are not following the King, who are not have not submitted their lives to Him. And so these trumpets sort of bring hope and encouragement to the people of God even as they bring warning to the inhabitants of the earth. Now, you'll notice that each of these trumpets, and we're going to look at these first four here, sort of mimic or are patterned after the plagues in Egypt, right? So this idea of hell and fire in, in the first trumpet, or the sea becoming blood in the second trumpet, um, or as the, the, in the fourth trumpet, the, the skies being darkened. These are all hearkening back to the plagues of, of, that God sent on the people of Egypt. And now remember, what was God's purpose? Okay, this is really important because it'll help us understand what, what, is, what John is trying to communicate here. Because remember, his readers would have made this association as well. The purpose of the plagues in Egypt were fundamentally to show what? That God is almighty that he is greater than any of the other gods, any of these other like itty bitty 
uh, pitiful little fake gods the Egyptians worshipped. God was 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 greater than those. God is greater. Um, at the same time, it was meant to be a warning, right, to the Egyptians to repent. And we see in that passage over and over again that Pharaoh refuses to repent. So in the same way, okay, all of these um, trumpets are meant to, to highlight different sorts of judgment or different sorts of difficulty or suffering that come upon the inhabitants of the earth. And that part of the goal of those is that people would be awakened to their senses. They, they, would, be, they would come to realize this earth is perishing and that God's, God's judgment in a sense is being poured out upon it. And thus, I need to repent. I need to turn to him. So this first trumpet emphasizes the idea of, of hell and fire. And, and here I think, and again, we're, we're, we're speculative, tentative, tentative. I think the idea is to highlight the idea that, that in, on this side of heaven, there's always going to be natural disasters there's the, that are inflicting the earth, whether it's hurricanes, floods, fires, pandemics, right? The coronavirus, all of these things are meant to communicate to the inhabitants of the earth. This earth is not, this earth is temporary. It is fading. Um, it is groaning with the pains of childbirth, right? And so don't put your, don't put your ultimate hope in it. Now, a lot of time in all these trumpets, you're going to see a, some things like a third of the earth was burned up, or a third of the sea became blood, or a third of the rivers, or a third of the sky. I think what this is meant to communicate to us, that while these um, trumpets, these happenings upon earth are real, they're not final, okay? They're not total. In other words, these, these aren't necessarily ushering in the return of Christ. Now, when, when Christ comes, the earth will be completely destroyed and, and Jesus will build a new heaven, create a new heavens, a new earth. What this is meant to show us is that even though, for example, we have hurricanes tracking across the Gulf right now, or we have fires that are raging across California, or we have the coronavirus that's spreading across the world, these aren't necessarily final. They're not total. They are, they're, they're given to us in burst, okay, to draw our attention to 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 for God to draw our hearts into repentance, the second trumpet here and it talks about a um, this mountain thrown into the sea and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. I think the idea here is that on this side of heaven we will always have economic instability. Um, that 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 man depended upon commerce and the economy and the stock market and a whole host of things okay for them it was the commerce of the sea and for us it would be the commerce of free capitalism or what have you to understand that all systems of economic um, viability while some might be more viable than others none are ultimate right none are a hundred percent trustworthy we can't put our hope in them no matter how much we invest plan save um, marshal our resources and not to say that we shouldn't be doing those things but I think John's point is don't put your hope in them alright this third trumpet this is kind of interesting it talks about this idea the name of the star is Wormwood now this is drawn from Jeremiah chapter 9 and the idea is that that which is meant to give life okay so so in this in this um, instance it's, it's this particular herb okay herb is meant to 
spice in them. Herb is meant to um, bring a life flavor and taste, but that which is meant to give life actually becomes toxic. And I think there could be a, a number of applications for this, okay? But we, we think about things that God has given as good gifts to us here on earth, right? Money, science, technology, natural resources. Um, but yet, when we treat them not as gifts, but as the uh, as as equal to God Himself, or as just as valuable as God Himself, they become poison in our mouth. So often heard it say, you, you and I quote another pastor: uh, When you take a good thing and make it the ultimate thing, it becomes a bad thing. And I think this is what's pointing to is that yes, we enjoy the good gifts of God, um, all that He's provided for us. But as we see with things like science and technology, think of all the amazing things technology allows us to do, but think of all its potential destructiveness when it's mishandled, right? When it's misapplied. Okay, fourth trumpet coming down the home stretch here talks about these, these stars and sun and, and moon being removed from the sky. And I think the idea here is that um, all of these celestial bodies are things that give us light, right? And the, the, the removal of light, okay, I think this is metaphorical, um, is, is part of what inflicts us, or inflicts the inhabitants of earth, this side of heaven. In other words, there is a natural born spiritual blindness that everyone has, right? And this was extenuated in the, in the plagues in Egypt when God sent darkness across the land. They thought they had sight, but they didn't. Um, and, I, and we think about in our own day and age where, where, again, Romans 1 tells us this, that those who have thought they were wise in their own eyes, that God's wrath is being poured out, it's being revealed. Um, he's making what's known plain to men but they are hardening their hearts. They are spiritually blind. And, and here it's just a reminder for us that this is the natural condition of man, that, that oftentimes there is a, an intentional hardening of heart against the truths of God, and this is our natural condition, and thus we need a Savior. We need the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to us. And again, we, we end with this eagle flying overhead in verse 13, which again is a sign of judgment. It's a sign of warning. You know, the eagle's flying into battle. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. Again, these are warnings to the inhabitants of the earth to not set their hope in the things of the earth, whether it be economically, financially, um, the gifts of God, natural resources, um, natural disasters, all of these things are going to inflict the earth to remind us, don't put our hope in them, put our hope in God. And what a great word for us, you know, particularly as Americans, affluent Americans who are used to living insulated lives and having a wide variety of choices. And when something like this pandemic comes in, and it may not be the pandemic itself, it's just the people's response to the pandemic. Um, shows that the curse of sin still lays upon the earth and that we are in desperate need of a Savior. And let's pray for one today. So that's the first four trumpets tomorrow back here, same time, same station. We will look at chapter 9 and the fifth and sixth trumpets. And let me just assure you, it gets crazy. So.
Look forward to seeing you then. Let me pray. Father, go before us today. Let us not put our hope in flesh and blood. Let us put our hope in you. And we ask that you would bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.